We're in Luke chapter 24 this morning. Oftentimes, especially on Sunday mornings, I ask that you stand with us for the reading of God's Word. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. I'm going to read several verses here in this chapter. I'm going to comment on some of them as we read through it. So I want to ask you to stand for an extended period of time. I want us to look here in Luke 24, and I want to share with you this morning just a burden upon my heart. The Bible begins in verse number 1. Upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. I was thinking last night, I was sitting at home, and uh, Christy and a couple of the kids, a few of the kids were elsewhere, and I went upstairs, and I was just kind of hanging out by myself, thinking about today's message and praying about the service today. I was thinking what it would have been like to be alive in that time where Jesus had been crucified. The world had been turned upside down. And what people might have been thinking the night before Jesus rose from the dead. I thought about these ladies. There was a lot of misunderstanding. They didn't know exactly what was happening. They were no doubt, as we read in verse 1, they're preparing to go to the tomb in the morning to prepare the body. I was thinking about Peter, Adam. I was thinking about Peter. You remember just a few days earlier, he swore up and down he would not deny Jesus Christ. If everyone else would be offended, Peter would not be offended. Peter would give his life for Christ. But you remember in that night when Jesus is there before his accusers and he's warming himself by the fire and three times he denies Christ and the third time he's actually swearing, he's cussing that he never knew Jesus. And that cock crowed, and he turned, and he saw Jesus' eyes face to face. They're looking at one another, and the Bible says that he ran from there weeping bitterly. I wonder what was going through Peter's heart the night before he found out he's no longer there. I think about us. I think about I think about the things that we go through in life. I think about all the things that happen, the many distractions that go on in our daily life and our daily routine. As we're preparing, many people are very concerned about dressing in their Easter best, right? 
Many of you ladies have new dresses on, you guys have new shirts, maybe a new tie, some of you a new, complete new outfit. We know that today is a special day because we have the Word of God. But what about the many people that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior? And the world continues on. Today is just another day. Today is about Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and chocolate. It's about so much more, isn't it? The Bible says in verse 2 that they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. It came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto him, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Say that with me, verse 6. He is not here, but is risen. Let's say it again together. He is not here, but is risen. Amen. It says that, remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified in the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. And they believed them not. We live in a world who sees this as just an idle tale. It's just another story. We may even use the word Bible story, but it's much more than a Bible story. And even if people believe it's just an idle tale, it does not, it does not change the fact that it is true. It does not make it any less truth. Their words seem to them as idle tales, they're speaking to followers of Jesus, but they're overwhelmed by this news. Verse 12, there arose, then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. That's a roughly seven and a half miles, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Do you ever think, BJ, do you ever think about the number of times that perhaps the Lord draws near to us? Our faith has been challenged. We're having a very hard time. 
And the Lord draws near to us and he's about to do something wonderful in our life. But, but Glenn, we don't recognize it. We don't recognize it's the Lord at work in our life. Our eyes are holding is the Bible term. We're not grasping that. Jesus himself is drawing near. But these two, these two disciples, they don't recognize him. They don't recognize him because they're focused on their troubles. They're focused on what is happening and they cannot explain it. They're focused on their difficulties. It sounds like our daily life, does it not? The Lord is at work and we're not even aware of it. It says that they were talking together. They were speaking of the things that had happened in recent events. In verse 15, they communed together. They're reasoning among themselves, trying to get some sense of what God is doing. Verse 17, Jesus said unto them, What manner of communications are these? That you have one to another as you walk and are sad. And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which, notice the past tense, was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted, again past tense, that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found that even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then Jesus said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The disciples were concerned about the things they didn't understand. Jesus is concerned with explaining to them the things that truly matter. In verse 28, they drew nigh into the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. And they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. 
And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? Father, please bless your word today. Blessed is delivered. And may we, through the scriptures, recognize your goodness. And may your spirit apply to each of our hearts exactly what we need. The measure of faith that we need today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Did not our heart burn within us? When they heard Jesus expounding upon the word of God and going back through the prophets and explaining to them why he must suffer and why he died on the cross and they had fellowship together with him, their hearts began to burn. But my question this morning is why did their hearts ever cool off to begin with? Why did they get to a place where they didn't even recognize the Lord, didn't even recognize him drawing near to him? How did they ever get to that place? I think if we consider it, we find ourselves in the same situation. Life is sometimes hard, isn't it, Miss Anita? How long has it, ago, how long has it been since you lost your husband? 15 years. This has been a difficult year for you. It's been a difficult year. Life can be hard. I see, I see Jason and Anna and I see the kids up there with them. Waving at me. Jason lost a daughter a couple of months ago. That's hard. I think of, I was thinking of the many people in our church who have suffered some kind of illness. That you've had a hard time getting over. Life can be hard. I see some of you who have lost loved ones. People very dear in your life. Life is hard. Some of you have gone through major life changes. Robert Walker. It's good to see Robert this morning. All the troubles that he has physically. Life is hard, isn't it, Robert? Life can be hard for all of us. And if we're not careful, we get to a place where we have taken off our eyes off of Jesus and all that God has done for us and our heart that was once on fire for God begins to cool off and the word of God is not important. Our relationship with the Lord is not as important and we struggle with our faith. You know what these guys, you know what they struggled with the most? 
their perception of Jesus was not the reality of Jesus. You see, they saw Jesus as the Messiah, the one who was to come and redeem Israel and deliver their nation from the bondage of Rome. The reality of Jesus is that he came to die on the cross to deliver a sinful world from the bondage of our sin. They had an idea of who Jesus was and what he was supposed to do. And that's what often gets us in a problem. We think we know what God is supposed to do better than God knows. And we get ourselves into a struggle spiritually when we start thinking, what is God doing? This is not what I expected. We get ourselves into a spiritual battle when God doesn't seem to be working out things the way that we thought that he should be. And we get to a place where we think God doesn't care, God has forgotten me, God has put me on that shelf or God has put me off to the side, God doesn't love me, and that fire begins to dim. We find ourselves getting caught in a lifestyle. We find ourselves getting caught in sin that we never thought that we would be involved in. We might call it being backslidden. We just know that we have, we have left our first love. What is God doing? What would the Lord want you to know if he came right up beside you today? He came right up beside you, Carson. And he says, what's bothering you? And you tell him your perception of what is bothering you. This is what's bothering me. I don't know what God's doing. I thought I understood the Lord. I thought I understood what he was teaching, but I don't recognize it. And I got some people over here saying he's alive, but I, can't, I don't know about that. I doubt that. He hears your burdens. And just like he does with those two disciples, if you want to, he'll just pass along and go a different way. Some of us are guilty of just letting him go. Because we would rather stay in our struggle, in our desperation, we would rather carry that burden rather than fellowship with the one who has the power to take it away. They decide they want him to stay. Stay, Lord, stay. Well, they don't know he's Lord. No, you stay with us. There's something about him, something familiar about him. We want him to stay. And he stays. And they begin to have fellowship and they break bread. 
And what happens when they have fellowship and break bread? They recognize it's the Lord. Zach, all God wants is to have a relationship with you. That's all God wants with any of us. Can I get an amen? He just wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know Him. He wants to spend time together. He wants to fellowship together. He wants, he wants you to fall in love with Him. He wants your heart to burn for Him. What hinders that today? Turn to chapter 23, you're in Luke 24. Jesus is being crucified in Luke 23. It speaks of the two others in verse 32. There were also two other malefactors who led with him to be put to death. And when they, are, they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Jesus is in the middle. Two thieves on his right and his left. Then said Jesus in verse 34, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There were those who placed that crown of thorns upon his head. There were those who took that, that, that whip, the cat of nine tails, and lashed him and scourged him, tearing his flesh from his body. There were those who took the palms of their hands and beat him and beat him and beat him. There were those who took a reed and beat him with it. They plucked the beard from his face. They hurt him to the point that it was hard to even recognize him. Then they, then they lay him upon that cross and bam! Bam, they drive the nails into his hands and they drive the nails into his feet and they place him up there on that cross. And people are coming by and they're mocking him. He that has saved others, let him save himself. They're cursing him. Even the two on his one on his right and on his left reviled him. They mocked him. They hated him. And Jesus is looking out upon the crowd. And you know what he says? Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Say, what is that? That is an incredible love. It is a love that we can't even imagine. Forgive them. We get angry and want to curse the person who cuts us off at the four-way stop. Jesus 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He had James Truff in mind. He had Steve Holsom back in mind. He had Ricky Clemens in mind. He had Mikey in mind. Sam. Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them. Hanging on that cross for the sin of the world, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Forgive them. Peter's over there weeping in shame. Forgive him. Forgive him. Sometimes someone comes along and they say, God could never forgive me. God could never forgive me. I think the thief on the cross would say otherwise. One is mocking him. You go down a few verses and look in verse 39. And one of the male factors which were hanging railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Continuing to mock. Get us out of here. If you're really the Christ, do this for me. Get me off of this cross. He doesn't recognize who Jesus is. He only sees Jesus as a genie in a bottle. If you can do something, if you can just take care of this problem, get us out of this. If you're really God, if you're really who you say you are, just get me out of this mess. Knowing in your heart you're going to keep doing exactly what puts you there to begin with. But verse 40, the other answering rebuked him saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? Do you recognize that we too are upon this cross? But in verse 41, but we are here justly. We receive the due reward of our deeds. We are here because we chose to sin against God and to perform crimes against humanity. But this thief, he looks at Jesus and he says, but this man hath done nothing amiss. This man hath done nothing wrong. And he looks to Jesus in verse 42 and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Boy, isn't that good? Today. You've done nothing to me. You've done nothing wrong. You're, you're hanging on that cross. You're there because, because you're the Son of God. I'm here because I deserve to be here. I've done wrong. I've sinned against God. God says, Thou shalt not, and I found a way that I could. He's upon that cross for me. And Jesus does not say, 
get your life together and I'll think about it. He does not say, if you, get, if you live through this and come down from your cross and join the First Baptist Church, then I'll take you. Carson, he just says, today, today you're going to spend eternity with me. That blows up a lot of people's theology. Father, forgive them. They know not what to do. Quickly go to John chapter 19. Why, why was Jesus so willing to forgive? Because he wanted to have a relationship with you. He wanted to have a relationship with me. God. God who becomes manifest in the flesh. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, desires to have a relationship with me. And hanging upon that cross because of my sin, he says, Father, forgive him. He doesn't even realize what he's doing. And as he's upon that cross, and people are watching him, and it's now the ninth hour in John 19, you get down to verse 28. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Jesus fulfilled it all. And there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said what? He said, it is finished. Say it with me. It is finished. Why did he finish it? Because Diane, he wanted a relationship with you. If he said, I'm going to go this far, but I'm going to let you finish it, we're never going to come together. Because at some point, you can turn over all the stones you want to. You can turn over all the new leaves you want to. You're just going to mess them back up. Am I right? We're all guilty of that, right? I'm going to do better. I promise I'll do better next time. I promise. Maybe you'll do a little bit better. But your wife knows best. God knows. You know. I know. I can't match Jesus' righteousness. Are y'all with me? Everyone, you know what happens to a lot of times when people allow their heart to lose its fire? It's because you've got your eyes on somebody else other than Jesus. Somebody has hurt you. Somebody, somebody did something wrong. Those two, those two, those two people on the, on the road to Emmaus, they're saying the priest 
They crucified him. They beat him. They did something wrong to their Messiah. And we allow people to get in the way and people hurt us. And then we start comparing ourselves amongst our, with others. And we start saying, you know what? Ah, if that person goes to church, man, they need to be in church. I can just say this. I'm just as good as they are. If they're going to heaven, I'm just as good as they are. We, when did we start thinking that everyone deserves the opportunity to go to heaven? We're not comparing ourselves with someone else. We have to compare ourselves, Brandon, with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And he wanted to have a relationship with you, Jonas. He wants to have a relationship with you, Skylar. He has an interest in your life. He has an interest in your life. And so, he says it's finished. And he takes that final breath because he had atoned for the sin of the world. Everything that sin, the curse of sin, the judgment upon sin, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, who knew no sin, became the perfect offering for all of us. And the Father was pleased. And Jesus says, it's finished. I have fulfilled what the Father had sent me to do. It is finished. Why? Why is our heart not burning each and every day? Why is it every day when that sun rises... He is not here, but he is risen. Why is it that every day we don't have a song in our heart that is ready to just burst out? You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Do you know Jesus? Who should be the happiest people who ever lived? The child of God. Amen? The child of God should be the happiest people who ever lived. He arose. He arose a victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever. Our Savior reigns. Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, no matter how hard it is, 
no matter how we feel, no matter the hurt that we suffer, no matter the challenges that surround us, let us recognize Jesus desires to have a relationship with us. And he wants to draw near. Don't push him away. Don't push him away. Sit down with your Bible opened. And allow the Holy Spirit to pour truth and to pour life into your spirit. Amen. Because sometimes Jesus only reveals himself when we're in the word of God. Yes, he does it when we pray and he answers our prayers. But a lot of times we forget we even prayed for it. Let that fire burn within. And draw near to him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, for many it's just an idle tale. It doesn't make it any less true whether you believe it or not. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and my sin. And he desires to save and have a relationship with anyone who will receive him. Stop putting that off. Stop putting that off. Let's bow our heads.